When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so here we are again. Yet another double game week goes by, and we're back with yet another quick turnaround edition. We need to come up with some more imaginative names than this, don't we, uh, uh, for these things? But anyway, uh, Nick, you're right. Hey, Tom. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. We're back to the original double act today um, because there's no stag. He's going to be off for the next month for exams. So you won't be getting that positive tension and debate between Tom and Anthony that you should get. But um, it's, it's business as usual. Otherwise, we are, of course, who got the assist. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter. For Tom, it's at WGTA underscore FPL. Myself at WGTA underscore Nick. And Anthony is at FPL Stag. And also make sure to give us a follow on Instagram if you haven't already. It's WGTA.FPL. So, Tom, uh, what's on the pod today? Yep. So, as mentioned, it's a short one. While I still remember what happened, uh, basically, as I said, it's a short episode this time, answering all the on the bus and questions that have come from the community after this uh, mini double game week uh, with Man City's game just finishing uh, before we start recording today. Correspondence will return next week, despite no Anthony. Uh, but first, uh, let's get into the game reviews and the market forces. I think that I'm first here, aren't I, Nick, in terms of the game reviews? This game was a bit of a strange one. I'm trying to be heroic in an age of mediocrity. I'm trying to be heroic. It's all around me, my crap history. So I try to make punty captains to remove my misery. But the outcomes, they are lukewarm. Nothing ever really touches me moves me really um yeah i captain antonio this week and that kind of basically meant i didn't move anywhere i got 68 points uh, no rudiger meant i got concert off the bench for a clean sheet um and basically there are returns all across the pitch for me um except for my captain um a little bit a little bit frustrated because if i hadn't have done the move and um, i probably would have captain kane who did obviously get the 19 um, and i'd have kept calvert lewin but as it was i mean i was pretty fixated early on and taking a bit of a a bit of a risk in terms of um captaining antonio it didn't work out um but i mean i i bet against the house and um I've lost again, um, but very, very small red arrow. I think like 2K, 3K red arrow from the 68 this week. So um, I'll take that and, uh, and move forward. How about you, Nick? How have you done? I've also ended up on a tiny red arrow, which is a bit annoying. It was looking like a green arrow until City went on a little bit of a scoring spree at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, made a few uh, wrong turns this week. I sold uh, Luke Shaw for Cancelo. And even though I wasn't planning on starting Shaw, it just felt oh, like a bit of disaster. Like tough. a little bit like eating glass, really, with a sort of a 13-point swing, that particular move. Um, and just in general, my whole defence is a bit of a, a bit shaky right now. So Cancelo, Stones and Dallas all got one point each, which is about as dreadful as it comes, especially considering two of those players actually had double game weeks this week. So a bit disappointing. And I benched Conser for his clean sheet as well. And Rudiger... Um, was on the bench but didn't even play anyway so I've got a few concerns in terms of my defence right now with the rotation the, the midfield though was okay Gunderhan at least he managed to score and not make it a captain black this week uh, Fernandez, obviously he delivered as well to Chagrin of Sellers and Tom picked up an assist but I guess um, it was Harry Kane you mentioned Harry Kane he was the hero of the game he was the bluest light with a 19 point return uh, a little bit of a solo effort really in, in terms of um, his effort towards the to return but yeah small red very small red ultimately, but uh, I'm kind of glad just to tread water really. After I'm still a little bit scarred from that almighty claps in, in game week 24, so not too bad, I guess. Shall we move on swiftly then to, to market forces? Yeah, um, and obviously the game which just finished is, is your usual caveat uh, these days when we're doing a podcast, but 
I guess, as you said, the heroes of the game week, Harry Kane and Gareth Bale, who, who we'll be speaking about late, just later on, are the two guys who are dominating the transfers in, aren't they? Yeah, so Gareth and Harry are coming in after causing trouble for the Palace. Um, 290,000 transfers in for both of them at this current moment in time. So it's sort of an even split in terms of who's coming in. And, they, you know, they both scored the brace, didn't they? Uh, both looking like viable assets. Obviously, a lot more people already own Harry Kane whilst Gareth Bale. He's kind of new to the radar. So, yeah, we've got a few questions on the Spurs guys a little bit later in the pod. Otherwise, apart from those guys, it's a bit strange, actually, in terms of who's being transferred in. A few surprising names. Um, so, Mason Mount's actually the third most transferred in player right now, 177,000 transfers in, which is a little bit odd, I guess because he didn't even play in the last game. Um, well, he played 24 minutes, came off the bench, didn't he? Um, got subject to a little bit of rotation there. And, and Chelsea seems like a lot of rotation going on in general. Um, and Chelsea, of course, don't have a fixture in 29 as well. So I haven't really got my head around that particular move, why it's so popular. I don't know if you've got any ideas why so many people bringing in Mason Mount at all. Well, I guess it's just um, injuries, isn't it? So Grealish, Barnes and Madison, they're all featuring in the transfers out column. And I guess Mason Mount is kind of, you know, within that price range, somewhere around it. Um, he's got a decent fixture up next in Leeds. Um, but I don't know. It does very much seem like a transfer of convenience for some people. Like 180,000 managers making a transfer at this stage of the season. As you say, maybe there's something there that we've missed. Um, I, I will speak about Mount a little bit as well. As I think he is a decent option going forward. So maybe people are kind of front-loading their 180,000 wily souls here. But yeah, I was surprised to see him in third, that's for sure. Yeah, he's only 7 million um, and he did score against Liverpool in, in game week 26, got an 11-point return there. So it uh, might be still in a few people's memories, that particular one. And otherwise, it's it's Luke Shaw and uh, Michalison also leading the way in terms of the transfers in. So 95,000 transfers in for Luke Shaw and about 88,000 transfers in for Michalison, time of recording. Um, again, they both got nice fixtures the next week, West Ham for sure. Um, and he's just got 14-point returns, I understand that. And then Richardson's got a very nice plum home game against Burnley. And he, he's got four goals in five as well. So starting to gather a little bit of form there. But of course, it's a bit of a one-week pump because they don't have a game in 29. I guess some of these managers are only looking at the next week. Um, or maybe they've got their free hits, who knows. But um, the players in retrograde, as you mentioned, the injured guys, Barnes, Madison Greenish, and also... Uh, Danny Ings, who's been through the ringer recently, um, got himself injured, only just got one point in that double. And uh, and Mo Salah, he's the most transferred out player right now, 230,000 transfers out for him. He's blanked four games in a row and the club in general seem a little bit of disarray. So I guess many manager jumping ship there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too surprised by any of those, really. I think it's just, as I said, the injuries which are causing movements in the, in the market. Um, I'm interested to see as well, Calvert-Lewin and Vardy um, showing up in the top 10 um, of transfers out. I guess those people are, as you say, moving on to Richarlison, but I'm, I'm just perplexed by people making striker transfers at the moment because, as, as we'll come on to in a little bit, the strikers, it's such a strange spot, isn't it? And very, very strange sort of set of transfers that are coming in outside of the obvious ones, that's for sure. Right, uh, shall we move on to the questions then this week? Um, the first one is... Quite a topical one, I think, at the moment, especially for me, um, which is climb help. So our friend David, aka FPL Elf, or at Elf FPL, source it out, bro, get the right way around, um, says, I'm close out of ideas as to how to rank climb. Rather than looking at underlying stats, how's about guessing in players that have historically been capable of pools? So he asked us to look at Mane, Vardy and Aubameyang. He says, you know, these guys are out of favour of FPL Twitter, so maybe they're going to be interesting. Premium differentials, what do we reckon? And linked to this, FPL Banger um, asks if we should be more aggressive with transfers as the season winds down. He says it's the case, it was the case with Bale uh, that most of us waited for a few weeks just to see if results were going to come in first. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Maybe we should be jumping on early. Um, he says he wants Kai Havertz, for example, um, which is, um, well, Nick's screwing his face off of that, so I'm guessing that's not one we're going to be endorsing. Um, but I think it's definitely, you know, getting to that point where you should uh, start if you aren't, I'm not in the position I want to be, where you've got to start looking at different sort of areas. So uh, as you heard this week, I've tried to start taking risks to jolt up my OR uh, with Antonio as the captain. But the outcome of that, if it doesn't go your way, is it really feels like talent's raking the side of your face rather than making things better. 
I can't help but feel I was on the right path though. Like if I Captain Kane instead this week, totally different story. It's a really frustrating sort of near miss that's left me with a lot of tension this week. Um, but hopefully I can make that into positive tension and score big on the weekend. But yeah, I mean, I'm take, looking to take risks for captaincy as a conduit for rank climbing. I don't think it's quite time in terms of you know selling off the big differentials to sell off the family jewels and start buying NFTs. Um, but I do think it's time to some extent, as Banger says, to start making calculated risks, assessing what your appetite can take week to week. I mean, Nick, in terms of just climbing in general before we get in some of these sort of characters, like what do you think, what are you aiming to do um, over the next few weeks? Are you aiming to just consolidate and kind of make kind of small marginal gains as you, as you tend to do, or are you moving out into more sort of risky territory perhaps? You, you probably know my, my character. I'm, I'm probably not looking to make <laughs> too many gambles, too many dodgy decisions. I'm probably going to be sticking with some of the, the key men that have, been uh, reliable over the course of the season the old reliable so to speak but I am actually um, relatively interested in in Gareth Bale as an option so you know chasing these differentials it can go a couple of ways really you've got players like Bale um, who has basically been anonymous for the entire season hasn't he he's done nothing at all up until the last five game weeks. So, yeah, so Bale's come now to life, got, hasn't he? Yeah. he really has so Bale's got four goals and two assists in, in the last uh, three game weeks, one of them obviously being a double. And yeah, compliments to those managers who targeted him. And uh, the turn in form has been great to see. But yeah, I mean, it was just a month ago. Everyone was saying this guy's finished as a footballer. You know, his career's over. He's, he's never going to be um, the Gareth Bale that we all knew and loved from about sort of six years ago, I guess um, it was now um, when he was playing for Spurs. And um, But those recent uh, metrics up for Bale are actually pretty impressive. So it's a uh, it's, it's been 19 goal attempts and eight shots on target for which he scored those five goals. So he, he's been pretty clinical. But um, actually, as I said, you know, 12 of those goal attempts have actually just come in, in the last five games. So previous to that, he was an FPL irrelevancy. And, and, you know, it was too big a gamble for me to kind of risk take a risk on someone like Gareth Bale, as much as I'd love to take a punt on him um, a few weeks back. It's just it, it didn't fit in with, within my risk profile. I kind of preferred the safer picks. And I'd say the same for... The habits, you know, we, we enjoyed him in the when we did a bit of fancy Bundesliga um, last summer, but um, you know, I wouldn't touch him until I'd seen back to back calls, perhaps, and especially with the sort of the heavy rotation and the, you know the amount of players that uh, Thomas Tuchel's got to work with at Chelsea, I'd probably say it's the void still for me that particular one. Yeah, I've, I think with all of these players, you're kind of as 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 you've kind of inferred you've got one side where you're looking to buy in once he's shown a bit of form on the other side you want to be the person driving the train hindu monkey style rather than just riding it as a passenger and i think that that's kind of what keys into the question that dave was asking as well um you know he's i guess it's with salah um looking vulnerable as the cash release he did do a goal in the champions league tonight of course I guess observing the herd and finding ways to differentiate has to be an avenue now for people and find those players who provide feasible alternatives, be it captains, I've said, or in transfers, you know, those ones who are ignored, um, can they function as different drugs in your FPL team to repel you up the rankings, I guess, in a good way. Um, so I guess, you know, Nick's mentioned Bale and I think that that could be interesting. I mean, Nick, before I move on to Mane, Vardy and co, like, would you look at the triple up with Spurs, Son, Kane and Bale? Because a lot of people are now looking at that thinking, oh, you know, Salah to Bale, one guy's out of form, one guy's in form, whatever form means, I'm going to do that. I mean, would you be thinking the triple up is viable now? Only in the very short term, just because of game week 29, which is a week where we don't have any fixtures for Liverpool, we don't have any fixtures for United, we don't have fixtures for City. So there's there's an absence of premiums for that particular um, game week. And we do have a, a specific question on game week 29, but with that in mind, I am strongly considering the, the triple up on um, Spurs, Bale, Son, Cade. But then I'll probably start to remove them. And I think Son might even be the first to go out of those guys. And it might just be... Kane, that's kind of the one that I stick with. He's he's the main man. Um, he's been in the best form over the course of the season. So I I am very strongly considering the triple up of Spurs. Risky strategy as a Spurs fan myself, but it will probably only be for a couple of weeks, if anything at all. Yeah, I I think that on Sunday I 
definitely felt like um, Kane was the one, obviously, to keep them. Bale obviously jumped ahead of uh, Son in the queue. Um, but I guess a lot of it, as I said, is down to if you do sell a heavy hit like Salah or, as we saw this week, people selling off Bruno, um, which leads us to the three amigos or the three underlooked at amigos that Dave mentioned, which I think is just worth focusing on because obviously we look at all the popular players. These three guys, Mane, Vardy, and no, now Aubameyang slightly breaking into the template. Um, but these three guys are kind of ones who are kind of quite silent um, but could well uh, turn out to be decent picks. Um, so what I did was I had looked at, I had looked at these three players um Basically, game week 127 last year compared to 127 this year. Um, starting with Mane, 5% owned, so a real differential. Again, scored tonight in Champions League. Um, last season, he'd scored 20, 42 points more uh, by this point in the season. He'd scored five more goals and got one more assist. Um, but data is actually very similar. And that could be a sign that Mane, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. His XG is 11 versus 10. Similar number of t- shots in the box. Similar number of shots on target. And he's had more touches in the box this season than he did last season at the same time. The difference, I guess, is that ineffable thing of confidence. I'm not going to say form, um, but that thing that when you watch Liverpool play, you just think something's not quite right. You know, the conversion rate, there's something that's not connecting at the moment, that they're not scoring the goals. But Liverpool's running is pretty decent. And as I said, the guy's just 5% owned. Uh, Game week 30, Arsenal 31, 32, 33... From game week 30 to the end of the season, they only play Arsenal in game week 30 and Man United in game week 34. The rest of those games are eminently winnable, I think. Um, and you know, Jota as well um, should perhaps come into the picture. He had lots of good chances tonight in the Champions League. I mean, if they look better at Liverpool, Nick, surely it's a case that you would perhaps, you know, be considering jumping on one of them if you don't own them at all. Uh, you know, I'm considering, for example, keeping Salah one more week, seeing what happens. But, I mean, could a low-owned Liverpool attacker like Mane or Jota be on your radar? Yeah, I think possibly Jota would be the one I would target just because of price, you know. Um, he's been injured as um, for the last period of time when Liverpool have sort of gone through their woeful run. And just before he got injured, he was looking in excellent form. I think he scored about four goals in, in five games um, where he started. So he was looking really, really good there. And then obviously he was unfortunately injured all the way from 12 to 26 and he's back now. And he might be the, the spark that Liverpool need to, to get yeah. back on a, a run of form. I mean, he's only 6.6 million. He could easily fit in. With, with Sadio Mane, he, he cost me 11.8 million. And, you know, everyone's selling Salah, but it seems daft to sell Salah to bring in Mane because, <laughs> yeah. Man, you know, Mane's been in dreadful form as well. He's been absolutely rubbish. I know, they, as you said, they both scored tonight, which might mean a change in fortunes for them. But he's, he's um, been dreadful in the league. He scored in um, game of 20 against Spurs. But after that, he's blanked in every single game and, and he blanked for four, uh, for four games in a row before that game week 20 game as well. So owning Mane is, is kind of just like owning Salah, but without the penalties almost. Yeah, I mean, I, I, know, I know what you're saying about Mane. I mean, Mane was always the guy who he didn't ever have the kind of a stats profile that Salah did, but he relied on that sort of conversion, didn't he? He didn't have that many chances, but he was able... Um, to finish them effectively. And with that dried up, there's not too much, as you say, to commend him to us. Uh, but yeah, Aubameyang is probably the other midfielder I would posit as being worth looking at. Obviously, there are a few cheaper ones which we're going to speak about in a little bit. Um, but Aubameyang, of the ones that FPLF mentioned, is, is the one on the list. Just 8% owned at the moment after being 40% owned in game week one. Wow, I remember those days. Um, so up to 27 last year, when he was playing as a striker, and remember making into midfielder was meant to be such a good thing we couldn't think straight. Um, well, basically, last year compared to this year, up to game 27, last year he scored 49 more points, eight more goals, he got two more assists, had an XG of 11.65 versus 7.77 for this season. He had almost doubled the number of big chances and had almost 10 more shots in the box and almost 20 more shots overall. Right. So, yeah, it's not been very good this season thus far for Aubameyang. But I would nominate him as being the most interesting midfielder in the premium category out of him and Mane, just because, I mean, I know Kevin De Bruyne has come to light tonight and we'll speak about City in a little bit too. Um, but Aubameyang, over the last five, when he's been, again, redeployed in that striker role, the central striker role, not the inside forward on the left, um, his XG has crept up to 0.76 per game, uh, which is higher than 0.5 he was averaging before. He's averaging just over one big chance per game and three shots in the box per game. Again, um, exceeding a season average by a third. Nick mentioned he's got a good game in 29. There's, I've seen a few anxieties about his rotation and this modern love with regards to incessant, yeah, he could be rested about players. It's becoming a real pet peeve of mine. It's such a lazy point, isn't it? But our best chance of a good season appears to be in, in the UEL, I understand that. But the facts are that he's naturally fit, 
He's played Christmases and project restarts galore without needing a rest. And he missed out primarily because of family ill health recently, rather than him being unfit. So I wouldn't be too worried about owning him. And if it was a case of looking at him, Mane, or maybe a KDB, if I haven't got a lot of sissy slot for the next few, I'd probably be looking at Aubameyang. Um, I'm, look, I'm probably going to keep Salah this week, um, but I'd definitely be looking at Aubameyang from Game of 29 onwards. I think that's probably the one who's worth bringing in. Now, FPL Elf did mention Vardy. I think it's worth um, kind of linking this in with uh, strikers out of fashion. So Luke Thomas at us, amongst others, uh, asking, is it weird that he'd rather have two more defenders and lose two striker slots? Is the position dead? Just look at Vardy, who's apart from Kane, the other sort of obvious premium striker in the mix at the moment. 20% owned at the moment, but year on year, he had 33 points, more points since on last season. He had five more goals, three fewer assists. So he's you know, creating more this year. We had a slightly higher XG last year, load more big chances, more shots in the box, et cetera, et cetera. And Leicester just aren't looking good, are they, Nick, without um, without the likes of Madison? I'm not too sure I'd be interested in him. I mean, he's just been a perpetual disappointment, hasn't he? Especially compared to that hot streak last year. With, with Jamie Vardy, he's just one of those players that defies the stats. You know, it's kind of like a case of ignore him at your peril because he, he will punish you. And uh, with, with the Sheffield United game at home, it could easily be time for, for Jamie Vardy to strike back. So if you're fancying a little bit of a differential punt for this particular week, for whatever reason, why not uh, get someone in uh, like Vardy? He was um, Adam at the beginning of the season. He did really well for me. I know you've owned him in patches. He's done all right. Uh, so, but yeah, he's, he's not been in great form. Leicester in general are struggling a little bit because of, the injuries to two of their key men, Madison and Barnes, but it just makes Vardy, I guess, more of a focal point for the team, really, because I think Barnes was hogging a few of the shots anyway, um, which was uh, making uh, Vardy more of a peripheral uh, character in, in a few of their recent games. So he'll still be getting a few forward balls from the likes of Brighton and Tillerman. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not I'm not too uh, concerned about his uh, lack of chances. And also, he's one of those players that when he gets the chance, he converts it as well. Um, always making those doubting runs. So, I mean, I would, I would definitely not write Vardy off, and um, you know, he's he's definitely an option. I think. And obviously, they've not got a game in twenty nine, which is one of the negatives, though. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, to answer Luke's question, what I did was, I, so he asked, you know, is, is it weird that he doesn't want he doesn't want strike because he says he basically there's no value there, and it's all about the midfielders and defenders. And what I did was I had looked, I had looked over the last the last six weeks uh, without. City's game this evening, unfortunately, because they couldn't do that before. Um, and um, I looked at the top 10 players and looked at the average point scored per position. I, mean, I know it's really crude, but come on, it's, it's a quick turnaround pod. Um, and basically, I found this. So after last, over the last six games, um, the average top 10 player for goalkeepers, uh, was they scored 33.4 points over the last six. Defenders, 38. Midfielders, 43. And forwards, just 30. Um, so forwards, lagging behind goalkeepers in terms of the top 10 players that average points scored over the last six game weeks. It could be, you know, obviously, there's six, seven games or so in there. Kane's the top scoring forward over the last six, and he's actually joined 12th over the last 10, level with Mason Mount and uh, to- Toys and uh, Adarabio. Um, so, yeah, interesting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to 3-5-2 personally. I've got one more week with Diane, um, but forwards have been poor. Like they really have been quite bad. I mean, the likes of Antonio, Bamford, Watkins, and Madger, and um, they've only got the mid twenties over the last um, the last six game weeks. Uh, and the last and the fifth place forward, um, well, the joint fifth place forward, uh, Vernon and Iconacho, they're not even in the top fifty for the last six weeks, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and I guess, Nick, you can see why the defenders carry such real interest. They look really switched on with a sense of clearness and clarity. You know, Fulham, United, has Piliqueta as well. All in the mix, aren't they? Yeah, it has been a good period um, for the defenders. And, and you often see this, actually, when there's these sort of periods of fixture congestions. It always seems to be the central defenders that do best in, in the double game weeks, isn't it? But... Um, well, certainly not this week with City, but otherwise it, it tends to be. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm not as negative about the forwards. I still think there's a lot of potential in, in the next few weeks with, with them. I mean, I, I made a whole case about how this position, the first striker died a couple of seasons ago, but then it became sort of reanimated, hasn't it, in the last um, year yeah. with, you know, these new hopefuls from the Championship emerging. You've got the likes of, of Patrick Bamford um, appearing and then, you know, Ollie Watkins, um, Antonio, 
a Calvert-Lewin as well. But of course, you know, Calvert-Lewin's form has, has been absolutely dreadful. A lot of people took, took punts on him over the past few weeks and he's really failed to deliver um, after excellent starts the season. And, and likes of Bamford as well, um, failing to deliver in, in at least most recent weeks. But still, I think there's, there's quite a lot of options in the forward line for game week 29. Um, I'm already tripled up with, with um, Madger and, and Kane and Watkins, but I've, I've still got that sort of FOMO actually in relation to Bamford and Antonio, just because I think they're just going to have huge ownership. Um, and I also like some of the cheaper options as well. You mentioned um, Diane, uh, Diane or Dirty Diane, but he's actually had pretty decent stats over the past um, few game weeks. So Diane and, and Madger are sort of third and fourth out of all the forwards right now for goal attempts. And they're quite cheap as well, only 5.5 million for Madger and, and 6 million for for Deanne. So I think you can sort of fill, fill that third slot quite easily with one of those guys. Don't have to go all the way to, to your Brewsters at 4.4, whatever he is now. Mm. Um, and uh, and rotate maybe. So you switch between a bit of a fourth, you know, a bit of flexibility so you can play Magic here and there or Deanne here and there. And, and I know you've kind of been doing that a little bit as well, Tom, in terms of the formations going from 4 3 3 to sort of 3 5 2 and, and stuff in, in recent weeks. Yeah, the man Madger as well, I guess, 5.5. I mean, he could be one to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, early days for him in the Premier League um, after you know, stepping up from Sunderland. Uh, but Fulham, and I think we'll speak about this again a little bit. Um, I guess they've got that motivation at the moment, a bit between their teeth. And obviously, Man City next, you wouldn't be too interested. But between 29 and 32, and um, they've got a blank in 33. Uh, they've got Leeds at home, Villa away, Wolves at home and Arsenal away. So an okay set of fixtures there and he could be at 5.5 generously priced enough that he could sub in and out of your front eight as needed so yeah another interesting character there which i know you've uh always take a shine to nick you put him in your team didn't you a little while ago heard the old snake from the sunderland days um that links nicely into the 29ers redux uh, so jimmy at fpl claret asked what's the sensible balance between 29 blankers and players with just two sets of transfers left until then and james Kroll, friend of the pod asks is these players if these players are going to be long term or if there are any we're you know looking into service the fixture and they're going to bin off afterwards um I guess many will say I I decided for 29 that something has to change. And, you know, uh, we've spoken about Aubameyang already. I think he's likely to come in and probably be kept in. Arsenal's run, you know, 29's West Ham, first Liverpool, not great. But between then and the end of the season, they only played Chelsea in game week 36 of the traditional top six. Um, And uh, I guess maybe West Ham as well. So you mentioned Antonio, Nick there. I've got him and I got him as longer term sort of pick. I may even get your man Cresswell, Nick, as well, um, probably in game week 29. Um, Because West Ham's uh, end of season is okay. I mean, they do play Chelsea um, and they do play Arsenal 29. But between game week 38, 30 and 38, it's again quite a decent run, especially in game week 34 and 38 Burnley Everton Brighton West Brom and Southampton so if they're you know, on the Raz and really looking to uh, get into that top four um, they'd be okay but the one I want to ask you about Nick is, is Leeds I mean Bamford and your man Dallas and um, they're going to be you know they may have left some squads for the double game week but you know, surely they're going to be really highly owned and you know, I'm sure you're not getting rid of Dallas are you but I mean would you be happy you know with are you happy with Bamford are you still happy with Dallas like how's that looking? Yeah, I don't actually have Bamford at the moment. So he, he's one player that I'll be missing out on um, just because I'm, I'm not really looking to make changes to my forward line. I've already got the three strikers in place. I do have Rafinha, though, and he's he's one that will stay for me uh, for the next couple. And, and the Leeds haven't been in um, brilliant form, looking a, bit, a little bit tired, but um, they've certainly got that quite nice fixture in 29 against Fulham and then Sheffield United at home. In, in, in 30 as well and, and Dallas he's been a revelation to my side um, this season I think he's got about five goals now he kind of he's, he's kind of one of those sort of uh, Luca Dean type players that'll get you a 15 point in one week and then a one point at the next but um, he, he has been excellent played a lot of the season out of position so if, if you don't own him I, I'd still be recommending him um, and I don't think you do do you Tom I'm I'd be recommending him as a transfer in perhaps and you can keep him for a little while perhaps even though after those two fixtures Leeds fixtures do start to become a little bit tougher um, they've got uh, City, Liverpool, Manchester United the three really tough fixtures after the next couple so at that point I, I do have concerns uh, about being too heavily loaded up on the likes of Leeds and um, 
and also triple city and triple spurs just because of the the 33 blank i mean i'm gonna to have to start looking even though i'm thinking yeah. about bringing in bail and, and being tripled up um, with spurs i'm then gonna to have to start thinking about my exit plans there um, with spurs and city and um i think we've got a question about city and so we'll talk about them in a little bit but also Aston villa are another side that i'm going to be tripled up in who also have a little bit of a fixture shift as well, which is a little bit concerning. So they play Liverpool and Manchester City in 31 and 32 as well. So that is the problem, I guess, in terms of front-loading your team too heavily um, for game week 29. So there are there are a few other teams as well out there. You know, I'm thinking about um, going to Brighton maybe for the weekend um, and looking at one of their defenders, like... Uh, some of the cheaper options, as I said, I don't like to name names because I get derided, but there's a few cheap options there um, at Brighton in defence. Um, and they were looking pretty solid for a little while as well. So that's another team to perhaps look at. But yeah, it is the case that a lot of the teams that play in 29, their fixtures do start to change as well. So that's, that is the risk. And, you know, I, I still remember what happened with West Brom when we tra- targeted the triple up for a blank game week and, and it all went complete. It was a complete disaster, as, as we've referenced many times on this pod before. So that is that is the risk. Oh, but, but that was because of the justice for Brom moment, wasn't it? Like, neither of us own McCauley and McCauley got that goal. Oh, anyway. Um, I think to answer James Carroll's question, there is one person I probably mentioned that may be in a lot of teams for game week 29, but may leave after that. It is uh, Ollie Barndor Watkins. Um, I'm sure he'll make a mockery of me for saying this, but if I owned him, I'd be looking to jump off after 30. Like The run is indifferent at best, as Nick said, and I think that he's leaning, uh, he's treading the fine line for me, Watkins, between being unlucky and just being a bit poor and to me he's looking a little bit more like poor man's Firmino week to week because there's only so long you can be unlucky before you start to think are you just a bit of a bad finisher bro Q, of course back-to-back hat tricks or something like that and um, but yeah I think he'd be the sort of player that I'd be looking to jump off as Nick said as well there are a few other options that may not be uh, the best you know if you're bringing a Brighton player for St. Potter's uh, little army uh, just I don't know. I think that that's very much a play for that game week and then stick on your bench for the rest of the time. There's like a Dan Burn or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely um, an interesting ragtag of that. I think it's just a case of saying, well, as long as I can get through the game week, okay. I think I, I think my idea is to roll this week and I'll end up with nine players for that blank, including, you know, covering the highest stone caps. And I think I'll just mod, mod, model through owning most of the players that everybody else owns, um, you know, like sort of Bamiyang, Kane, Son already in the team, Emmy Martinez, you know, like sort of Aner and uh, uh, from Fulham. I mean, Nick, are you doing anything in particular ahead of 29 in terms of your kind of, you know, your transfer plans? Well, getting to transfers in a bit, I'm probably going to roll this week anyway, and then I'll have two free transfers to play with in 29. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking at the defenders. Um, I'm actually thinking about possibly selling a, a Manchester City player. And I guess that kind of moves us on to our next question, which is about a weekend off the City. So, um, desperately, uh, desperately seeking, Dusan asked us, what is the best City selection to have now? Uh, two defenders in a midfielder or a pivot to attack, given the great upside and nominally similar rotation risk that we now have in defence. FPL Orsamo also asked us um, and said he's thinking about Edison in goal. Ed- Edison's actually quite an interesting one. There. It's not a bad show, especially considering the rumours of him taking a penalty and being the next one. That's kind of fueled by these comments from Pep. So, so why not get him in? And he's also being the, the only one not rotated at the moment. Of course, it means there's going to be some sort of Zach Steffen cameo, isn't there, if you do get him in. But yeah, I think that's a pretty decent show. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's rotation city for city. Right now, the certainty of starts with specific players feels like when Mercury's in retrograde, totally reversed how it was. Um, I want to highlight the brilliant work here done by We Rogue on Twitter. Um, we're following him in dredging the city forums uh, with increasing uncertainty. Um, so even the, you know, the in-depth city watchers who give their kind of lineup predictions week after week, these are you know, long-term fans who haven't got the FPL bias. So it's an interesting way of seeing who they think is going to play based on their observations of Pep over a long period of time. Even he said today, you know, it's quite sobering that even they couldn't agree who was going to play. And he said the certainty of certain players needs to be reevaluated. Um, Pepper said, of course, he's not considering the title one yet. 
Um, but we saw with all the memes today about the lineups that you 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 got to be worried about week to week. There's no one who's really safe apart from Man Edison. I think that if you've got two defenders and maybe maybe Gundogan, or he wasn't, he could have got three assists and a goal tonight, Gundogan. And uh, maybe I keep hold. I'm happy to sell off one defender. So I've got Cancelo. Like he's been binning him in 29, that's for sure. And and just accept, you know, Diaz and Gundo. You can get a benching or two. It's all kind of priced in as well, isn't it? With Diaz at under six when I got him, Gundo at 5.5 by price. I'm happy carrying those players. They're, they're, they're fairly cheap. And the fact that they're not going to be nailed is, as I said, completely priced into what there is. Um, going forward, I guess, I mean, KDB will get the plaudits. I wonder if, um, as our friend BNM Matt mentioned earlier on, is Mares quite a low-key, interesting pick now? He's explosive, as we've seen. He's 20 points over the double game week, Nick. You'll have to swallow some no-shows. But as we saw last season and this year, it's kind of happening again. If he's not trusted to play in the Champions League, two games in a row, maybe you know, maybe we won't see that too often. But you know, if he's alternating with Sterling as well, I, mean, I don't think they can play together. I remember how poor they were that afternoon against United. They're, they're just too selfish. Like neither they can't go together. There's got to be a builder on the other wing. But he could be a really cheeky end of season pickup, I guess. I mean, I'm considering here at some point. And Edison as well. I mean, six point Edison. Mm, is this okay? But as you said last week, you're looking at probably a four in ten chance of getting clean from him week to week. The issue is if he concedes then he's a two-pointer. And as, as I've said many times over the last few years, it's a very harsh binary. That's, of course, that penalty stuff comes to, comes to fruition, in which case it's Mosto. I think I'm one of his worth the money. What do you think of all those players, Nick? I mean, is Mahrez a player? But no, he'd be far too risky for you, wouldn't he? Let's face it. Well, I think owning Triple City was was good, obviously, through the last um, double game weeks, just because you you had two chances. So if one of your players doesn't play one game, he's, he's more than likely to play the other one. So we saw lots of points with the likes of Mares, and he has been playing a lot in the league. Um, he's actually um, he's actually played six games in a row now in the league. But um, yeah, as, as I said, City have had three doubles now in the last four game weeks, and they've got two uh, blanks coming up and. And I've got um, I've got John Stones sitting there, and he he's basically in sort of like an in out in out um, setup now with Laporte. So he's probably going to be the one that I sell just because of um, well, they don't have a game in twenty nine, they don't have a game in thirty three. It's it's probably going to be the case that John Stones only plays football in two of the next six FPL game weeks if Pep follows this format of letting him play every other game. So. You know, I can't carry a guy like that for that long. I can't have this guy who just, I just don't know if he's not going to start week in, week out, especially if Tuchel starts missing around with Rudiger as well. It just creates too much um, confusion. And I, I brought in Cancelo. So I'm, I'm, I'm loath to kind of get rid of him straight away after a solitary one-pointer um, in his first week in my side. So Stones would probably be the one um, that does go, and then I get someone else in in defence that I can actually trust to play week in week out. As you said, he is, even though he said the league's not won, it hundred percent is, and and the focus is going to be on the Champions League. So that's when the best players are going to play. So mm. I think for me, the defence is where I'm, I'm not really a fan any longer of the two defenders. Um, one midfielder approach, I think you probably can just drop it down to one defender. Diaz is probably the safest of all of them. He seems to be. He seems to just play every single game. He's a machine. But in, in midfield, I think Gundogan would also be worth holding just because he's cheap. He's, he's super cheap. And he's also their top scorer this season in the league. Um, he's had 11 goals so far. Um, you know, the surprise pick. But he, he pretty much plays most of the games anyway. We'll get an occasional rest, I, yeah. I guess. It's just whether De Bruyne being back nullifies his attacking threat and means he has to play a little bit more of a deeper role. But, um, you know, for, for the price, it's not too bad. But, yeah, I think certainly players like Mahrez is interesting shouts. I think the likes of Phil Foden, interesting shouts as well. Got a hat-trick of assists tonight. But, you know, you have to face facts that these guys are not necessarily going to be playing week, week out and you just have to accept that. And because City do have two blanks as well, I think, you know, it, it's outside of my risk profile right now to, to bring in one of these guys. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think maybe it's one of the lessons to learn for next year that these mercurial characters like Mares are ideally suited to double game weeks because if they don't play in one, they'll play in the other and you've got, got kind of got that insurance in one week. Whereas, you know, if it's game week one and game week two, 
but in the first game he doesn't play the second one he he does play it it doesn't really help you as much as if it's a transposed uh, truncation is the same one so yeah no interesting for me diaz isn't going anywhere gundo isn't going anywhere as i said and there's obviously opportunity if you want to get kevin de bruyne in cool do it and it could be you know, one of those that i mean he's shown his leap finishing tonight three shots on target two goals yeah, you know, it could be a very, very handy differential going forward. Uh, I guess that kind of, you know, in terms of transfers that we've been speaking about, um, links into the next question. It's about prioritization. So FPL Dempsey says that, you know, many key FPL assets teams, speaking about this, you know, they're prioritizing Europe, you know, Champions League for City, and the Europa League for the likes of Arsenal and Spurs, definitely Champions League for Liverpool. So he says he's thinking about who to prioritize as wildcard picks. Other than teams you could look at, of course, it's like, Links to us as well as non wildcarders. And uh, Adam Pritchard asks if West Ham are fixture proof. We mentioned them a couple of times already. Um, but the likes of Cresswell, Dawson Antonio should surely be cropping up on our lists right now. Well, I mean, linking these all together. Um, earlier I mentioned Cancelo is in my team. He's going to go up for, for Cresswell. I think, I think I'm going to own him. I love Dawson, but I, think I might have a, have a go on Cresswell. And Antonio, of course, is uh, cropping up my team. Uh, he's in my team at the moment. Um, but in terms of you know general prioritizations, I think real talk, we've not had too much time to go into this one. I think it's fair to say as it's quick turnaround, but this one feeds into the motivation question. You know, Anthony loves doing his um, on the beach stuff. And I guess once Anthony's back in a couple of weeks, we'll do a proper look at who is wearing to go and who is on the beach in that kind of yearly installment. I guess overall from those pods, though, back in the day, it tends to be, doesn't it, Nick, you know, a good idea to invest in teams who have something to fight for and that momentum to fight for it. I mean, in the past, we've fallen into that trap, haven't we, of buying teams who've got good fixtures, but haven't quite got that motivation to get them there. Yeah, we have. And um, it, yeah, the likes of West Ham are having an excellent season. They don't have any um, European concerns. You know, the likes of Spurs, we're all looking at their assets, but they're still in Europe. They've also got a cup final coming up and same with Arsenal and a few of those other clubs like City and um, Liverpool, of course. So, you know, those are clubs that are not going to be looking at the league anymore. They're going to be focused on trophies in Europe and things like that. And West Ham um, are going to be looking at the league. They're going to they're going to be thinking right now, do we actually have an honest chance of finishing the top four? And, and they're certainly in the reckoning. So, you know, it makes sense, I guess, to target some of their players. And uh, they have done pretty well. One of the other ones that wasn't mentioned is, is Jesse Lingard, of course, as well. And he's actually unable to play in their next game um, against Manchester United. But, you know, after that, he's potentially a decent uh, pickup. He's got four goals and two assists in those six games that, that he's played for the club. Of course, you've got the likes of Suchek as well, um, super cheap, um, only costing you uh, 5.3 million. And he's such a threat in the air, isn't he, that he could get a goal out of nowhere anytime. He's actually got eight goals, which is just ridiculous for sort of a, a central midfielder, um, especially someone so cheap in FPL. So, you yeah. know, both those guys, I think, are excellent uh, pickups in FPL. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that West Ham are fixture-proof. They have struggled in some of the games against the likes of Liverpool in recent weeks and, and Manchester City as well, they lost against. But And their fixture run is actually quite challenging. So they've got United up next, then Arsenal, then Wolves, then Leicester, and then Newcastle and Chelsea. So, yeah, it's really tough. Um, next six for them, actually. So that would put me off. I did think about their defenders and Cresswell someone owned last season stupidly but not this season even though he's like the top scoring defender at the moment <laughs> but um, that would put, put me off um, owning a defender right now just because I, I don't see too many clean sheets coming up in, in the next five or so I see what you mean I've been looking at Cresswell just as like a long-term hold sort of thing um, or maybe you know that's my man Big Mike Dawson I'll see I'll see I think one team as I said we'll come back to this in a, in a future pod uh, Dempsey so don't despair. We haven't had too much time, too much research on this one, but we will um, go into it properly in terms of on the beach in the past. One team I would want to call out here is Chelsea. So, as I said, something to fight for, momentum to fight for it. Got the momentum. I'm beaten under, under Mr. Tickle, I'm going to call him for now because I, I keep getting it wrong. And um, they've also got motivation on two fronts. So, the team, you, uh, Champions League, obviously, is motivation. Yeah, I know that. And getting the highest league position, another motivation. For the players as well, as that individual motivation, impressing the manager to be in the team this year. Obviously, he's rotating a lot. And for next year as well, when he finally gets a transfer window to himself. I mean, just mentioned Rudiger quickly. I saw a few people fretting by him not playing. But Mr. Tickle, I think, 
said he was just giving him a rest, right? And he looks the key beneficiary of his compatriot coming in. And I think him, Mendy, and Azpilicueta, who we mentioned earlier on as well. I mean, Azpilicueta needs our introduction uh, to season at WTA listeners. We used to say that he famously used to start a game with one bonus point because he was just such a bonus hoover. But other than that, it looks like space is up for grabs. I mean, there's a good piece of work by at StatsDanFPL on Twitter. I'll link that below this pod when I put it out. He basically kind of looked at the minutes under uh, Mr. Tickle and uh, he basically showed that Azpilicueta, Rudiger, Mendy, Kovacic and Jorginho... Uh, uh, were the top five in terms of uh, being the big winners of uh, the players who are trusted by him. I read a good athletic article about Kovacic and uh, Havertz, he said, has missed a lot through injury, uh, but he had a great game against Everton, which he did. He was very, very good. Um, obviously, we don't know what the manager's going to do, but they've got a really nice run in and also Mason Mount. I think another one that I've said a few times, I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention him here. He's joined 12 for points scored over the last six and he's banned in Europe, which is quite interesting. So, he was rested last game, which may feed into that market forces thing. So he should play the Leeds this weekend. Also West Brom in game week 30. Good data too. So he's one to consider if if you've got a good team for game week 29 and you've got a luxury transfer to make. Yeah. But game week 30 to 34, they've got West Brom, Crystal Palace, Brighton, West Ham, Fulham. So five very, very good fixtures. I mean, West Ham, mm, uh, but the rest of them are very, very good. So get the right asset or two there and you're laughing. But again, you know, the Champions League, especially if they prevail versus Atleti, could well be one of those, which is a bit kind of mad. But I guess, you know, Nick, Chelsea are one of those teams that if you get the rotation right, you could be in for a lot of points, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and there's one other asset I've kind of looked at a little bit at Chelsea, and that's, that's Marcus Alonso. So he's another one that has been rotated, um, obviously, with Ben Chilwell, who's his competitor for that sort of left-back, left-wing-back position. But... Um, it's quite interesting in terms of how the rotation has worked because uh, Chilwell played against United and Liverpool, which were teams that Chelsea set up a lot more defensively against. So, um, you know, Alonso is not a particularly good defender um, in terms of actually actual defending, but what he's good at is attacking and, and getting forward and whipping crosses in and, and scoring goals. So he's become a bit of an FPL. He's one of those classic players, I guess, that's a good FPL player, but not necessarily a great player in real life. And, uh, yeah, Alonso's been getting lots of game time um, since Tuchel came into play. So he uh, played that game against Burnley where he scored um, at home, got 14 points. He's also been chosen uh, to play in against Sheffield United, Newcastle, um, um, Spurs and Everton. So it feels like the games where Chelsea are on the attack, Alonso is favoured. And then games where Chelsea are defending, Chilwell's favoured. So um, looking at those fixtures you mentioned against the likes of West Brom at home and Chris Palace away, Bryson at home, you know, punting on someone like Alonso, you know, there could be, you know, chance for double figures haul, double figure hauls in there for sure. So he might be an interesting pick as well. But yeah, as you said, lots of rotation in Chelsea, which is it's the gamble and the risk to a certain extent. Yeah, looking like a Pep 2.0, isn't he, uh, Mr. Tickle? Uh, the final one, uh, just here for the next question, is Wolves as well, which I think merits the quick mention. Uh, not sure what they're going to be going for, really. Um, Strictly mid-table, and they could well be, you know, that motivation trap we referenced earlier. But those fixtures could be a golden brown halo of hope. Um, 30 to 35 Reeves West Ham, Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley, West Brom and Brighton, with four of six of those being at home. Maybe a case for the likes of you know, Game Week 1, Bo, uh, Sice, returning on our wildcard, something like that. Um, but Nick, the next question, the final question this week is on captains, isn't it? Yeah, we had a question from Chris O'Hara, who just asked us and said he wasn't sure on the captain this week. Um, he said Bruno is staring him in the face, but West Ham are in form. Um, so, yeah, I guess we're going to have a quick conversation about our captains and our chances as well, sort of segue to the end of the pod. And, you know, I'm probably going to, I'm not going to lie, I'm probably going to be stupidly boring and then target Captain Bruno. I think he's going to have a humongous ownership this particular game week. And West Ham are a very different proposition to the season past, but he definitely feels like the obvious captain. I've said before, the obvious captain is obvious, I think. He's probably going to be the boring pick that I go for. But in terms of the other options, you know, you can talk about the Manchester City defenders, maybe. Um, you know, someone like Ruben Diaz, there's a strong chance of a clean sheet. Uh, for City against Fulham, um, didn't really work out for City in terms of the double game week. Targeting defenders, I know a few people took punts on the likes of Diaz as a captain for that particular week. But I think for, um, against Fulham, 
you know, there's a strong chance of a shutout. I mean, the other options, I'm, I'm, I'm digging around, but the likes of Richarlison um, or even Calvert-Lewin, perhaps home to Burnley, you know, even like we have mentioned Luca Dean on the pod, um, he'd be certainly someone that would be an interesting punt as well for a home match against Burnley for Everton. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you could potentially target the Spurs player like Kane in the North London derby as well, certainly an option just because of the strong form that he's been in. But yeah, I think for me, it's probably just going to be um, Bruno. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about yourself, Tom. What are you thinking then for the, for the captain? I mean, after last week's debacle, I'm, there's obviously a part of me which is thinking, you know what, just captain the highest scoring player of the last six weeks in Bruno and hope that those who have sold are too stubborn to buy back. There's also a part of me which is saying, oh, look, Cancelo didn't play against Southampton. He could be well worth uh, captaining against Fulham, King into what he said earlier on. I mean, the one I'm looking at, though, is Kane. I'm an Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Let's get through that. All right, tribal stuff. Yeah, rah, rah, yeah. Um, but I like his North London derby record. 11 goals and two assists in 12 games against us, uh, which could be a really good differential as well, because I think everybody's going to be going for Bruno. Um, and I'm highly considering it and hoping that West Ham can just heart United to about a few key men. So no Cavani and potentially no Rashford as well. Obviously, he went off injured. Uh, but again, I guess right back to Dave's question at the start of the pod, I feel like betting against the house has been one of the things that has been a big Achilles heel of mine over the season. And some things will never be different. I mean, you're hoping for a miracle if you're captaining um, a player against the house. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I guess for me, I'm at 270k. It, it's probably going to be worth it to be going for these differential captains, as I said in that question, going for that beta captain. And that may well be Kane this week. But as always with captains, it's a real prayer that the FPL gods will let your guy outshine them all. What about transfers, Nick? Uh, who are you looking to be bringing in this week, if anyone at all? probably going to roll this week, I think, stick with the guys I've got. But then that will give me two free transfers for next week where I might you know, drive to Brighton for the weekend for one of them and, and uh, you know, take a punt on someone interesting like Gareth Bale, which will, which will mean I have 10 players as well for that week. So that's my, my general plan there. What, what about yourself? My entire plans basically revolve around one question. Do I give Salah one more chance? Uh, one more chance to score for me? If he does open the door and do the job against Wolves, then maybe he does go out anyway. I think he's dropped enough that it doesn't really matter too much to selling him and buying him back. And of course, there's a Mane option, there's a Joe Trapp option we've spoken about. Do I do that? Get rid of him this week for Aubameyang, as I've spoken about, I quite favour him. Or do I leave him against Wolves and then kind of do that transfer in 29? I think I'm going to leave it this week. I think I will. Um, and as I said, I'm, I'm not too sure about the captaincy this week. I think uh, at the moment I'm leaning towards Kane. I did initially bust it on Bruno, but given my OR, it's probably worth uh, doing uh, the alternative option. <sighs> That's a lot this week. Nick, I guess we disappear here. Cool, yeah. No, it sounds like one more chance for Salah for you. For me, it's probably going to be two more years before I get rid of this guy, know, knowing how I've <laughs> been on him in the recent seasons. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, we were who got the assist. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. As it was an old school pod as well, we actually um, did an old school throwback um, in this one, a theme. So a few of you may have picked up on that. So let us know if you got the dodgy references that were thrown into the pod and and uh, yeah, please don't give us some negative reviews in regards to that as well, because we got abused last time we tried to do themes. So uh, yeah, um, hope the older and longer listeners appreciated that anyway. We'll be back next Monday, hopefully joined by Seb Vassell, who's um, a regular on the Scoutcast, if his internet's working. Yep, I'm sure a few things we may have said may have set off a silent alarm for some listeners. Uh, but yeah, we look forward to speaking to Seb, uh, particularly getting his views on leads uh, going into the blank too. In the meantime, hope to assist you during this quick turnaround. Have a good weekend. Speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.